Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford here. It's All Ireland Football Semi Final and Talton Cup Final weekend. So, myself and Rory O'Neill are joined by Kieran Whelan and Eamon Fitzmars. How's everybody doing? Mikey. Yeah, we good. Are. Yeah, it could be frosty relations between the two lads now, obviously. Head of, of Sunday. Yeah. Try the line, try the line. D Day yeah. has arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally here. Um, Yes, that is Sunday, Dublin v Kerry. Obviously, we've got Galway v Derry, which precedes the Tulchin Cup final between Cavan and Westmeath. So we'll get on to the game shortly, but I suppose it'd be good to hear from the two lads just from a from a player's point of view, All-Ireland semi-finals. Um, Wheelow wouldn't be cruel to say the old cliche, semi-finals are there for winning. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, go on, Mikey, that's great. Start with me. Start with me. Put, 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 the, put the boot in straight away. Yeah, great memories of all our semi-finals. Yeah, absolutely. Which one do you want me to talk about? Mayo 2006, <laughs> Kerry 2007. Any particular one, no? No, no, no. Just more about the build-up to them, really, I suppose, and the kind of, um, you know, it's a big occasion, but it's not the big occasion. And as I said, the, the cliche does work as a jibe at you, but it's not really why I mentioned it, I suppose. There is kind of, there's a nervousness around semi-finals isn't there that you're not really too worried about a performance you just nobody remembers you know oh geez they played off no, yeah. well in semi-finals yeah but I, I suppose the context of Dublin Kerry is slightly slightly different in that maybe this this game has been the game that's been on the horizon all year uh, and the fact that Leinster were paired at Munster um, you know we, we always envisage we might get to this point last year we, we, we thought they might have met in the final didn't materialize the boat got caught in the semi-final um so you know and the, the interesting thing about it is that probably both teams are coming into the game maybe with some question marks but maybe not as not playing as fluid maybe as as they would like or as they're capable of um and you know dublin probably still have a few doubts hanging over them from early on in the league even though it looked like they're, they're re-energising the championship, but haven't really been asked any questions. Kerry have been concerned about being road-tested and, you know, not not getting adequate games to bring them to the level that they should be at, that they're capable of being at. Uh, so, like, it's, 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 it's set up to be an intriguing battle. And, you know, it, it, the dynamic I see, it's not, li- it's not unlike, you know, 2009, maybe with the start of the earwigs. And it's hard to believe that it's, you have to go back that far since Kerry actually bet Dublin. Uh, you know, Kerry dominated the noughties against us. And, you know, we came into that game on the back of five Leinster championships and a big expectation uh, that we were ready to, to, to come step forward. And and, and, and and Kerry walked all over us because they just had that experience and mental know-how and were just much more psychologically tuned in than we were at the time. And, and I think... To some of that is Kerry's challenge again this weekend that the Kerry are now coming in under massive pressure and expectation uh, and Dublin have that maybe experience and know-how under their belt and still have possibly 15, 16 players that have huge experience from the last five, six years. So listen, it's 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 an intriguing game and it's it, it, has, it has the potential to be an absolute rip-roaring game and, and I really hope it is. Yeah. From a from a manager's perspective, Eamon, um, 
like all Ireland semi-finals are kind of they fall between two stools. You can't say it's just uh, lads. It's just a monster championship match. You know, don't you know? It's it's don't build it up too much. But at the same time, it's not an all Ireland final. You haven't got the thing about the suits and the banquet and you know the hotel and like you know the tickets. So especially for Kerry, tickets isn't usually an issue for semi-finals. So it's a it's a you know it's a big match. Played in Croke Park, you know, second biggest match of the year. But at the same time, is there kind of an onus on you to try not to build it up too much as well? Um, <clears throat> there probably is, Mikey. Look, I think most teams nowadays, they approach every match as if it is just another match. And, uh, you, you know, obviously when you get to, to this end of the championship, you're playing the best teams and you have to be at your best yourself. Um, I think there's always fierce buzz in the camp at this stage of the year you know because all the work that has been done since whenever last December last January has all been geared towards this time of the year and with all the sports science that's involved um, in the background and everything players are coming to the boil really physically so they're you know fellas if you're avoiding injuries and little bugs or sicknesses or anything like that fellas are really physically where they need to be so they're enjoying their football and uh you know, the training is all geared towards a big match and it's all football-based stuff and it's all scenario-type situations and um, it's 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 really enjoyable football. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think all players, this is where they want to be. They want to be playing the big games in Crow Park at this time of the year with the big crowds and, you know, hopefully there's going to be a huge crowd there over the weekend but, uh, for, the, for the Kerry Dublin game on Sunday that all adds to it. And as a player, like I said, that's where you want to be. And the second part of it is then as the player, these are the games you're judged on. And these are the games, you know, that when you look back on, when you're finishing your career, how did I do on the big days? It's it's great to play with any inter-county team and it's great to play well in league and provincial championship games and all that. But the big games and, uh, you know, the All-Ireland semi-finals and finals, they're the games that you want to do your job and know that you've helped out the team and afterwards there's there's a satisfaction in that if you do if you do fulfill your role yeah rory amy mentioned big crowds are the weekend and i think they they are expecting big crowds but i i don't think i've really i i've never known a, a year like this kind of we mentioned it before here about kind of the promotion of the championships in their new form form and um i just don't think there's a very good job being done of it i think it was um Yesterday. You can't do a good job, though. You can't. You can't do a good. It, it, people are running to stand still, Mikey. Yeah. You can't. You can't do a good job when you have like like to take the take the final four weeks of the championship, right? <clears throat> so two All Ireland semi finals with a Talchin Cup, followed by two sorry two All Ireland hurl, semi, hurling semi finals, followed by two All Ireland football semi finals with a Talchin Cup. Followed by all the event management and planning that goes into the pageantry around All Ireland hurling final day, which includes three jubilee teams and God knows what else. Followed by all the pageantry that goes around an All Ireland football final day and all and and three jubilee teams thrown into the mix there as well. But mm. sure, what what can they do? Like you're running your championship half in blitz format. This is a consequence. These are all consequences of it. There's no point in keep going on about it. This is what has been decided. Um, you're, you, you're also, you like, that's the first issue. 
And the second issue is when you've given it no room to breathe, it's very, very difficult to push anything or do anything else around any of the other areas, including marketing and including um, and, 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 and also, obviously, I mean, we keep saying it, it's four weeks too early. And I mean, like I was down in my own club last night, we don't know if you were down there and you're asking people and there's a lot of people not going on Sunday because they're going on holidays. It's the first week of the summer where the primary schools are actually fully off. A lot of kids, obviously, and uh, we'll say a lot of parents with primary school children, a lot of them heading down to the heading down to Kerry direction, actually, Eamon. They're all, you know, so there'll be <laughs> people welcome passing. Welcome them with open arms. <laughs> <really>. <laughs> there'll be oh. people passing each other on the road going down. Uh, so, um, yeah. I wonder, so, though, Rory, is there a chance that some people don't know it's on either? Because when I say promotion, I also mean kind of just the media coverage, which I think was kind of... Um, highlighted yesterday shall we say this a lot of people might be aware of this uh the Kerry, the limerick and kilkenny hurlers both held their all Ireland final press nights which are in the afternoon yesterday on, on the same, same day, day an yeah. hour and a half apart or two yeah. hours apart um obviously on different sides of the country basically um so that, that, well, that's look. not very helpful to the yeah. to the ga media and you can just see it today like there's there's been i don't know like Eamon, would there be any harm in like getting Desi Farrell and Jack O'Connor to do a press conference in Port Leash or something on the Wednesday or Thursday? And like you don't, I know they don't want the players talking because their legs will fall off or whatever. But like the managers not come up, and I think it, it used to happen a bit. It used to happen a bit. I think when Guinness was slash money was slashing around with the giant hurls and all that, they definitely used to do All Ireland final preview press conferences with the managers. Um. I, I just wonder, it wouldn't do any harm to have a couple of the protagonists from the biggest matches of the, you know, two of the biggest matches of the year speaking on the week of the of the match. No, it wouldn't, Mikey. Look, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think it, it probably is a consequence of a two-week turnaround. That is probably a factor in it that, you know, every, every minute in that kind of a situation is precious with regard yep. to getting ready for the, the, the match and in, in terms of your priorities, media commitments are going to be at the bottom of it. And, you know, that's just that's just fact. But I do think it's a shame that there isn't, um, you know, like, look, going back when I was involved, they'd generally be three, four weeks between, between a quarter final and a final, same to a final. There would be a press night in there where I would have been available, maybe another one of the management team, three or four of the players, and three or, three or four year subs, yeah, three or four injured players. Oh, <laughs> no. There were, there might have been one or two subs. And, uh, <laughs> the 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 captain would always have been there anyway, and uh, uh, two or three other players. <laughs> I, I can safely say that way. Do you know what? Though? I can safely say right because I I I, I go I have to go to these things and. Um, I can safely say there's only one county out there that only put up subs. And it's not, a, and wasn't Eamon's team. No, <laughs> it wasn't. Slightly further north of the Western Seaboard. We, yeah. we, 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 have a, um, we have an archive of shocking press, uh, you know, media engagement photographs of you stored away that suggest you didn't mind doing media. And I don't think it kept you awake at night. What, might, what the headline on a story might be, um, you know, in the week of a match. Jeez, Mikey, this is really turning into, you know, Happy Thursday, Kiran. Happy Thursday. Yeah, exactly. No, but I think, listen, there was, 
probably that whole time frame, Mikey, times things were different than you did of three or four weeks before matches. And there was probably a little bit more uh, flexibility probably from managers around, you know, um, commercial aspects, you know what I mean? And different stuff. And that's really, listen, we've seen that over the last 10 years. That's when um, the media do get access to players through various opportunities like that. And they, they're certainly being curtailed now through the tight time frame and managers don't want guys out. For me, it's it, it's quite simple. I think there should be just a charter that every team has to buy into. And it's, it's a media requirement for the team participating in the competition that you have to do X, Y, whether that's pre-match or the week of the match. And, and, and there's an obligation there. I think that's that to me is the only way that's going to solve it because otherwise you know you're looking at every like as Eamon said it is well down the list of priorities and I'm sure it's the last thing uh, that managers want and it's it's also a very much uh, you know the old GA style well well geez if the lads up the road aren't doing it we're not doing it you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, there, yeah, there, yeah. There, there is that approach to it as well so um, it's listen it is it is the time frame I, I think that two-week turnaround that lads you know, and management probably have two, three days to come down after a match to review it, look at where they can improve. And they're straight back in then to looking at the next game and looking at their last run out probably a week before the match, before tapering down and, and tactically preparing for their opponents. And that's probably where they're investing all their energy. Um, so, you know, it, there's, a, there's a lot of contributing factors, I think, in my view, that, that, that we're just not, not seeing players out there. Yeah, I know. And I don't expect any of the four managers or county secretaries or county chairman to care at all but I think maybe those in well they that. should I, I don't know I like that like they should they should yeah. I mean like when if you look you know you, it's very difficult and it's very risky to be obviously comparing yourselves to professional sports but professional sports obviously are professional so they know stuff right um and if you look at the obligations that they'll put in place like take something like american football right massive money man like they welcome the media into locker rooms as they call them after matches there is a fines for individual players there's a famous clip do you ever did you ever see marshawn lynch the seattle he, i think it was the seattle seahawk and he turned up and he just gave the same answer to every single question because he hated doing media, but he had to do it. And he just, everything they asked, I'm just here, so I won't get fined. And he literally just kept saying that. But, like, it created a moment and it created a talking point. And, like, I, you know, but they're smart enough to realise that this yeah. builds into the buzz around the event, promote the promotional aspect, the ability to market yourself, yeah. eyeballs, all, all sponsorship, everything. It all feeds into it. And um, whereas the GA seem to be happy enough to be invisible. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, the, the, what I was going to say is the managers don't care, but, you know, those in Crow Park might want to have a take. Look at, you know, kind of the websites and the newspapers and see there's, you know, the vacuum's been filled by the Irish rugby team in New Zealand. Yeah, uh, like, uh, Irish who, who, like, seriously, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, anyway, I didn't, it really wasn't a moan because we have plenty of stuff to be keeping us busy between <laughs> rugby and women's, women's Euros and Irish teams in soccer and Wimbledon and the Tour de France. Uh, we're not the ones losing out. Um so anyway, we'll get on to the matches. So Saturday evening, um, Galway v Derry. Rory, it's 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 my two babies, my tip for the All Ireland and my tip for the Ulster Championship. One's already come in, so I'm afraid I have to say goodbye to Derry now, so that Galway can proceed to the All Ireland final, which they're obviously going to win, and um, anoint me as the greatest GA tipster of all time. 
And you know what? Like, I'm thinking long and hard. Um, that because that game, like, funnily enough, might be actually more difficult one to call in a lot of ways. And um, I watched the Galway RMA game last night. Just uh, it was the other thing. I was kind of uh, sorry. I was your children were with you. Late. I was a bit late there this morning, so the lads, uh, the lads were giving me a bit of you, stick. You, but you didn't was, let your children uh, watch the match, did you, Roy? No, no. no. I was like, I mean, the like what again? Like, sure, it was a pleasure to sit through it all again in terms of a game of football. Like, obviously, there was the incident at the end of the normal time, but just one thing with it that struck me. And again, look, I think it would be very interesting to get everybody's views on this because when was watching the closing stages again and you know the way managers and players and well media I suppose and analysts but particularly managers and players I would suggest are always looking for patterns and they're looking for things whereby they can improve I have a lot of buddies who are engineers and they'll tell you when they're problem solving it's patterns they go after to see where they can see quirks in systems. And that's basically how they can chase, troubleshoot and find the solution to whatever it might be. So they conceded 2-1 in the last six minutes against Armagh. And when you went back to the Connacht final, which was their previous game in the 60th minute, it was 2 16 to 13 points and it finished 219 to 216 against Mayo in the Connacht first round game in the 63rd minute it was 114 to 11 it finished 114 to 16 points and even if you go back to the league final which they lost to Roscommon which was a late goal again by Dermot Murta and then I started to go back even further now they were very comfortable in most of their league games but in the next previous game that we'll say mattered which was against Monaghan and pretty much the same team in that playoff they conceded I think was it about and I meant to check that one but I suppose look there are just three aspects that I'd like to put out there for everyone right so the first is is that a worrying trend or just a silly coincidence and a figment of my imagination right the second thing is if it isn't a worrying trend and if it is just a figment of my imagination why does it keep happening right is it lack of concentration loss of shape and experience back four lack of depth on the bench we know Mulcairn is a massive loss so has that severely weakened him back there in terms of leadership and then the third aspect from a Galway perspective is if you're a player or a manager and it's something you're aware of and it's something that you are worried about what do you do to fix it now, obviously, if it's just a figment of my imagination, you can ignore no, all the rest. <laughs> it's definitely not a figment of your imagination, Wheelow. The the evidence is there, like that this Galway fade out happened. But then you have to like you could you rule out fitness straight away because you know their performance in extra time against Armagh I would suggest that you know they still had petrol in the tank. So what do you put it down to, Wheelow? Yeah, I, I'd say it could be just more a mental fatigue rather than a physical fatigue Mikey um, like it's not a figment of your imagination Roy that's been a trend I think even if you go back to Mayo last year in the championship as well you know it, it, there's been a common trend there and and really I suppose it would be something they'd be acutely aware of they'll, they'll definitely 
you know, if anything was going to highlight it, the Armagh situation was going to highlight it when you're coming into injury time and you're... And, and I mean, they were much the better side, really. Yeah, watched, at, they were at much, much the better well, side much, than Armagh. After the first quarter, they took yeah. off the second quarter and then the third quarter, they kicked on. So it's, I, I would say it's going to be something that they will really focus in on and they will have a few trigger points for that last quarter in terms of keeping their concentration or changing things up to make sure they certainly tighten up you know what I mean, at the, at the back, that they don't lose concentration, that they be very acutely aware that if they get in a match winning situation, that they have to close it out. And, and, and it is the, it is probably, you know, it is, it, listen, it is their biggest weakness. And, and you look how good Shane Walsh was, you know, the last day, but then he gives that cross field pass. If you remember, you know, Armagh cut it out and all of a sudden they're up the end, under the other end of the pitch. So it's those game management situations, particularly coming into those closing stages, the last 10 minutes in, t- in terms of uh, keep possession, what they're doing with the ball, playing a little bit smarter, uh, slowing the game down. There's loads of little different aspects that they're going to have to work on in, in, in that, in that last quarter. Uh, like the fascinating thing about it is Derry, Derry like early goals, not late goals. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, mm. so you yeah. you know that's that's yeah. the that's another aspect that Galway have to be really focused in on, and they would be really trying to stop Derry from getting that early momentum. Because if there's any team that can game manage and close out a game, it's going to be Derry. Um, and you know, even though they, you know, you could argue that Donegal get ahead of them, but but if they get in a match winning situation, they can adapt their game plan and they can they can change it around to cl- close the game out. So listen, it is game management has been Galway's question mark, and there's no doubt about it. I, I felt listen, they came of age against Armagh, you know, all their some of their forwards, you know, uh, Fernity, Tierney. You know what I mean? Um, Tilly McDade in the middle of the park. I think they had 11 scores. All their score, all the forwards scored. You know, new players really stepped up to the fore for them. And you felt that was kind of the real, maybe not changing of the guard, but the real turning point for this team. But by God, they have to back it up um, on this weekend. And they're facing a different, different challenge in Derry. Massively yeah. different challenge. Yeah, I was, that is the interesting thing, Eamon, isn't it? That Derry do kind of come out of the blocks very quickly. Um, but Galway, like, Pork Joyce is a smart man. He's been in charge of this team for, for three years now. He's aware of this. Um, is it something, like, do you think there could be that this is the payoff in some way that the way that they play, that maybe they put so much effort in or maybe that they they do, they try so hard to get six, seven points ahead of a team and that for some reason this happens and they've been surviving it. So it, it, is he, is he, not not that he's happy with it, but is he saying, um, is there some kind of a game plan? A bit like Derry, that their aim is to get so far ahead that if a team comes with a late surge, they can absorb it because he has to be aware of this fade out and he seems to be a very good manager. So if it could be fixed or if he wanted to fix it, could he not have fixed it by now? Well, they're trying to fix it, I'd say, Mikey. He's running out of lives because Mayo got mm-hmm. it back to a point um Armagh obviously got back level and it took it to penalties in in both those games they should have won comfortably Roscommon got it back to a goal at the end and again you know they're comfortably ahead but look I I imagine they've practiced that exact situation in training in the last uh, how, how the last would you do, how would you do that though <laughs> I mean how would you replicate the situations where you have to obviously factor in fatigue your your shape might be all over the shop because you've made four or five different substitutions you might have picked up an injury or a black card like I mean how difficult a situation like that is is it to actually re- recreate 
It's it's not that difficult, Rory. You put right. all, you can like you can put all of those situations into a scenario, yeah, scenario. Yeah. that you're like let's say you do you replicate exactly what happened in that Armagh game the last day. You say, okay, lads, this team. It's the 78th minute. There's seven minutes of injury time. There's eight minutes of injury time coming. This team is up six points. That team is down six points. The team that are down six points, we're going to give you possession with a free in the half-back line. You go into your two teams there now. You've two minutes to start it out. What are you doing? What are the team that are six points ahead doing that is going to ensure that you're going to see the game out and how do you manage the game out? Kiran mentioned some of the things you can do there. Uh, you know, they, they have to make sure that when they're in possession themselves, they're not getting turned over. Shane Welch in that situation, that he's gone down into the corner, taking his man on, winning a free, ball is put down, it's taking eternity to take the free, it's breaking up the momentum. You know, all those kind of small things. I thought in the hurling last weekend, for example, if you're looking for how do you manage that situation in the Galway, um, Kilkenny, or Galway, Limerick, Limerick game, right at the end, Limerick had a free, before the free was even taken, Kyle Hayes went back into his own full back line because the only way that Galway were going to get back into the game was a goal. Long ball in, who's under us? Kyle Hayes. In those situations that Galway were in against Armagh, Paul Conroy should have been just parked back there. He should have been just parked back there in the, in, 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 the, in, the, in the small square. And if a high ball came in, he would have been there to attack it, at least break it out. I mean, one of the goals, I think it was the goal an extra time, the ball actually hopped inside in the 13-yard line. No way that should be happening. Someone should be getting some kind of a hand in it. Um, I remember in the 2013 game against Dublin, uh, where where we were, and and not no, not so much the 2016 game, but the 2013 game, after they got the goals, Paul Flynn just went back in in front of the full-back line. We were putting ball in on top of Kieran Donaghy. Flynn was there contesting it breaking it out you you know that's managing that situation out it's just making it very very hard for the team that are behind to get a goal so I think I think Galway will have practiced those kind of things the obvious one to me is Conroy or Killian McDade who's comfortable defensively going back and being an extra player in there and saying look lads we're not going to concede from a high ball if they come through we're going to foul them they're not going to get six points in that period of time no way and at the same time Try and get a score at the other end of the field if yeah. you can. It's the goals that feed feed a comeback like that. Like I think, I think I'm in a lot of the game scenarios. It can it can depend on how far you're ahead. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, if the game is if it's a two point margin, it's a different maybe conversation. Where if it's a six seven point gap and you're comfortable and you have seven eight minutes, ten minutes to go, and you know that well, this team we they're not going to clip seven eight points to win it. The only way they're going to really get momentum is to get a goal. So it's it's slowing the game down and and getting someone back into that position. But it depends. You know, the game scenarios depends on the margin you're ahead, the different factors. You know, they probably would have even be preparing to be, you know, setting up game scenarios. Where you're down that one man, you know, or if the team have an extra man and there's only two points in it, what are you doing in a situation like that if you're down to 14? So all those things would would should be played out in the training field, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, Eamon, if we look at some of the matchups, then um we've rightly been singing the praises of this Galway forward line. And as I think Kieran said, they they all scored from play against Armagh. They were they're sensational. It's you know it, it's a little bit it, it's a little bit like say the dubs in their pomp um you know if 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 you know 
Comer and Walsh have an off day, well then maybe Tierney and Finnerty will come into their own and like they'll be the guys, or maybe it'll be Conroy from midfield, or now we know it could be Killian McDade from midfield because he scored one too, uh, pretty much an extra time the last day. But if there's a team with a defence to A, wrap up their best forwards and B, have defenders who will have their have the Galway attackers worrying about how, how much they have to defend as well, it's Derry. So the matchups in that Derry defence are going to be quite interesting, aren't they? They are. They're going to be intriguing. I think an interesting one is going to be who who'd pick up Shane Welch. Like you'd imagine, probably Chrissy McCaig. But is he going to follow him out the field? I know Chrissy McCaig plays out the field for slap nail a nice space, you know, centre back and so on. Um, or or will Rory Gallagher prefer him to be closer to goal? The Rogers Comer one. I think that Rogers will probably have to go back into the full back line for this game again. I don't think they'll be playing him in the middle of the field. Um, and in, in the league game in Owen Beg, Comer actually caused Rogers a lot of bother. Um, he was, you know, it was the one time this year I've seen Rogers really under pressure. And for one of the Galway goals, uh, Comer actually turned over Rogers coming out. So that'll be an interesting ma- matchup. But as you said, Mikey, one thing with the Galway lads now is, you know, in a previous existence, we would have been saying about you have to have. Shane Welch and Comer nailed down, Conroy nailed down. If you nail down the three of them, you're probably going to beat Galway. But the way that Rob Finnerty in particular um, has stepped up, I think he's got, well, has he? He's 12 points from play so far in the championship this year, which is a huge return. And he's been getting better. Like he was brilliant in the Connacht final. He was excellent again the last day. Um, Killian McDade has won seven scored from play. Uh, Johnny Heaney is getting in the scoring act. Patrick Kelly is a good man to get goals. So they have a good spread of scorers and uh, that that is going to be, you know, a challenge for, for Derry. Some of the teams that they've beaten so far, they've had the couple of out-and-out specialist scorers that they that teams depend on. Matthew Tierney, I didn't mention him, he's come into form. Um, the last day, he hadn't been having the best championship, but he played really well the last day and even scoring the win, winning penalty will give him an energy and a kind of um, a feel-good factor in, in the lead into the next game. So those matchups are going to be intriguing, but I think the big ones are still going to be the likes of McCaig on um, um, Welsh. Shane Welsh and uh, Comer being marked by Rogers and Conor Glaston and Conroy in the middle of the field as well. Or could they put Killian McDade on Conroy to, or Killian McDade on um, Conroy? Glass. I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot of big matchups. Supposed to, who picks up Shane McGuigan then at the other end from a Galway perspective? John Kelly. John Kelly. Yeah. 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 It seemed a natural fit. It's it was, it was it's huge for Wheelow's huge for for Galway that he you know he got his reprieve, isn't it? Because he does seem like the man for that job, and that is the most important job in the Galway defence on Saturday evening. Ah, yeah, you had you had to get his reprieve, Mikey. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But like, I think we can't get away from lads that like Derry to me you know I know we're talking a lot about Galway I I, I, I still believe you know that that Derry Derry will dictate the terms of this game as they always do um, and it's it, it leaves Galway with having to see how they approach them um, and we all know how well Derry can defend and the system that they have in play but they're also I think they really have evolved in terms of their attacking game and not not getting men ahead of the ball. We know they do that, but they'll attack with 15 as well. And I think, 
you know, the likes of Clare, and everyone was quick to write Clare off afterwards, but before the game, they were talking Clare up as being a Division Two side, and a solid Division Two side. Um, Clare got absolutely suffocated by Derry because they kind of dropped back and they tried to mirror them, and Derry committed 15 men forward, even Lynch come, came forward, and they made it extremely difficult, um, and, and Clare struggled in their transition then to get up the field, and it allowed Derry to reset very, very quickly. And they, for me, Derry still possess the 15 players that work harder than anybody when they don't have the ball. Um, and even looking, you know, preparing for this weekend, even you look at Dublin and Kerry, and sometimes the work rate mightn't be there for some of the forwards. Derry are bought in, lads, 100% in terms of what they do when they don't have the ball. So I think it's going to be, and we know they have the quality players as we've talked right throughout the team. You know what I mean? They have those guys that can match ups and they have strong players right the spine of their team. And they have some other guys, you know, the, the, the likes of Casty, who's been very good. Con Doherty's been very good. They have other guys around, around the edges that are making massive contributions. So, you know, how do Galway set up? You know, if Galway, you know, again, they're caught with that dilemma in terms of do they try mirror them? Do they bring it into a slugfest? Uh, personally, I think Galway have to be have to play with a little bit of a risk and they have to back their forwards a small bit and hold a couple of lads up the field so you're not giving Derry that opportunity to come down and attack them with 15 men. I think Galway have to try and pin Derry back a small bit. I think the kickouts are going to be very, very important. Galway go, I think Galway, if you look at the Galway stats, I think they go nearly more than 50% of their kickouts are always long. Because they don't they don't trust really themselves, maybe they don't trust themselves off the short kick out. Um, so I think that's gonna be fascinating in terms of maybe trying to get if they can win 50% of them, they can get at Derry quicker um if they if they hold their shape. So I think it's it's gonna be a fascinating tactical battle. And I think Galway's biggest challenge is not allowing Derry to to absolutely dictate the terms of the game, which they've done in every game so far. Yeah, and and they've done that primarily, I suppose, by racking up an early score, and that's been coming via goals. Eamon, um, Colin O'Rourke's been pretty consistent on this point that he doesn't consider Derry to be true All-Ireland contenders because he doesn't think they're scoring enough points. 18 against Tyrone, uh, 12 against Derry, uh, sorry, 12 against Monaghan, 16 against Donegal, and then was it 13 the last day out against, uh, yeah, 13 against Clare. Like, is that a worry or is or should we look at the other side and say they're focusing on getting goals and that's something they're good at and they're getting goals from full back line through through every line of the pitch they have people contributing goals um so is it a worry that they don't, they're not scoring more points or is it a worry for Galway that they're scoring so many goals yeah no I understand Cullum's point to rise Mikey but <clears throat> I think some of the goals they've got they're going for goals do you know what I mean that <clears throat> when there there's definitely um, a determination when they get into a certain part of the pitch that their first option is to go for goal and then if the goal chance disappears they'll take the, the point then similar to the way Conor Callahan plays and you know as the championship goes on and they come up against better and better teams maybe the goal chances won't be as plentiful and they'll be forced to take more points and that'll push up their points total naturally anyway but um I think if they keep getting goals, they're not going to be too worried about their points total, you know, and Galway have conceded goals this year, so they're going to see it as an opportunity this weekend. Um, if they were playing against Kerry, have been the most meagre defence so far this year. If they were playing against Kerry, maybe it's a slightly different conversation. Would they score enough points in that game? 
But um, I think Kieran's point is very is very much on the money with regard to how how can and I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I have the answer. How can Galway get this game on their terms? Because for Derry, it's quite simple. When when they have the ball, they make the pitch huge with depth and width. They get men forward and they create huge space in the in the middle part of the field where they're very athletic and they can run through. When they don't have the ball, they completely squash the field. They, you know, that they squash the the attacking zone for the opposing team. How can how can Galway, um, you know, reverse those terms? And I think part of it is like Kieran said, leaving bodies up the pitch. If you've got Shane Welsh and Damian Comer, maybe not so much because he's a good tackler as well. But Shane Welsh and Rob Finnerty on the thirteen meter line, even when Derry are attacking. We, do Derry leave two, three players back to mind them? Does Oren Lynch, is he forced to stay in goals then? And then are you stretching the pitch a small bit from the Galway point of view? Because if they just all drop back, if Galway all drop back, Derry are quite happy with that because they all go forward and they all attack together. So there might be a bit of bravery needed from Galway there. And uh, I'll be interested to see what they do in that situation. Can they force Derry to leave some few bodies at home when they're in possession and not have everybody going forward together. Um, so we'll see, but it'll be it should be it should be intriguing, definitely. Yeah, it's um, one of those you know styles make fights, and this is one of those. Rory, how do you see it going? Then give us a prediction. Still, no, still, like, do you remember we were here last week and you asked me, and I said I don't have a clue, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick with my I don't have a clue. <laughs> um, but genuinely, just like there's. Just I, I, trying to do something on it. I when you throttle a team the way Galway throttled Derry in the league, is that worth something? I'd probably say it might be. Um, I think Galway, given the way Galway came through a fairly battled, hardened campaign, I think that is that worth something? Definitely. Given what happened the last day against Armagh, I think that's surely worth something to them. They've beaten as much quality in a Division One context as Derry have. And I think Galway are a team that just historically and traditionally, even going back to 98 and 01 when they last met in semi-finals, that where they where they tend to grow in confidence the longer the year goes on. I think they've probably more quality in their forward line. But I'd probably think Derry might win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just crazy thing about it. But genuinely, I wouldn't be surprised if we could be in for a long night. Okay. I keep predicting extra time. You do. You I do. keep getting it wrong. <laughs> well, you got it right once. Um, how about you, Wheeler? Yeah, I, intriguing game, Mikey. But I, I still, still can't get away from the fact how how Derry dictate the game and. Um, I think Rory Gallagher has been excellent at how he's tweaked his setup for each opponent. Um, and he'd be aware of the threat of the Galway forwards. And you could maybe see Derry sitting a little bit deeper than even they were possibly against Clare and stuff like that. Um, and I think he'll, he'll, I just, when it comes to, the buy-in, and I really go back to that buy-in and the work rate and the work rate without the ball. Uh, I just think Derry for me might just edge it. Uh, but having said that, like 
like like Rory said, they've been writing off Galway nearly all year, and your question marks hanging off Galway, and they keep delivering, mm. and you feel they have come of age, and they have the firepower in their forward line. But I just think when you play against Derry, it's a different it's a different game of football, and I they have massive momentum, support, and all their players are playing with top confidence. And one of one of the one of the key things that even stuck out for me, even watching them. Um, against Clare is their communication on the field with each other is top class it's top class they are all listening to each other the likes of Glass McGinless are directing guys where to go they're they're very very well organised particularly when they don't have the ball and so when I break it down to game management that's why I just give the, the nod to Derry Okay Eamon your favourite question who's going to win? Um, yeah I'm, I'm I'm with the lads it's very hard to call it <clears throat> Again, I I would see extra time as a hu- huge possibility, and I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at Galway and Derry uh, at penalties again, Mikey. So, and then I, and, I, and then you'd I, favour Galway because they've been there before. You you would you would you would absolutely, and uh, it could come down to both goalkeepers as well. Both goalkeepers have a bit of a wobble in them, and uh, now Oren Lynch, the last day I felt for the two goals. He, you know, he played a lot of football outfield underage, and you'd know that. You know, his his body shape for the two goals wasn't great against Clare, and I imagine he's worked on that in the meantime. So it might that could be a factor as well. He might be a bit better in that situation, but uh, yeah, very tight game again, and extra time and penalties to separate them. Well, okay, we're in, we're in for a humdinger on Saturday evening, can't wait. Um, it's hard for me to choose between two of my children, two of the teams that I've backed this far into the championship, but um, I think... You have all, to have a favourite, you have to have a favourite. Yeah, that's the unwritten rule, isn't it? I'm going to say Galway are going to win, I do think. Um, I just think they've got too many fours. I like Eamon's idea of actually playing with a bravery and leaving a couple of lads up. Um, so Pork Joyce... We know you're listening. Do what Eamon said there and um, get, get my boys into the final. But um, I'll obviously be happy if I do get into the final there. I love all my children equally. Um, right, on to Sunday. Kerry uh, v Dublin. Uh, they're finally facing off against each other again. It's been a, a, a while in championship, obviously a few years since they've... Uh, they've Bit of played. an old game. They, they have met, yeah, exactly. So um, uh, go to you first, Wheelow. The... It's funny that like the the limited enough preview material of this match we have thus far, it hasn't been. I think it will ramp up in the next couple of days, and we'll get lots of good stuff to read about it and listen about it, including this podcast. But at the moment, it's all being very reductive. It's down to if Conal Callahan and James McCarthy play, Dublin will win. If they don't, Kerry will win, which. It's a little simplistic, I suppose, because if the two of them were fit, I don't think everybody would be saying Dublin are definitely going to win. It's be- it's kind of become the hot button issue this week. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Obviously, listen, if the two of them weren't to play, it significantly damages Dublin chances. But even if they are playing, it's still, you know, very much a 50-50 game. Like, yeah. So it's not a, you know, it's it, it's funny. Like, you know, sat down this week and you're preparing for the weekend and you, you look back over games and you know you watch you watch Dublin against Kildare and 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 you see that high energy and how ruthless they were and kicking the ball and you come you come away feeling you know Jesus yeah there's there's another kick in them and then you sit down and you watch Kerry maybe against Mayo with a dry ball in Crow Park uh, or you watch Kerry against Dublin in the league even though it was you know back in February and you look at uh, 
the threat that Kerry hold up front and their ability to kick the ball and open up teams and and the top class players they have. So you kind of you come down off the high fairly quickly of watching the Dublin Kildare game and you say shit, this is going to be <laughs> this this is going to be a tough encounter. Um, so like it's that that that's probably what makes it so fascinating. Um, a, a contest that you know, listen, there's 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 a few things in my view from 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 a from a from a Dublin perspective coming into the game. Number one, there obviously is the potential injury to Conor Callan, and I think that makes a, a huge difference in terms of what he offers them in the forward line, and even the different dynamic of watching him in there against Kildare and when he wasn't there against Cork. You know, Paddy Small was in there, and Paddy Small tends to like to come out under the Cusick stand, and the movement was slightly different, even though they were trying to play and hold two or three deep inside. So he has been so important in terms of clutch moments, and you look back at the goals that he's got. Um, you know, in big, big games in the last four or five years, and I think him him being involved is hugely important from 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 a Dublin perspective, as is Clifford. But you got to suspect that Clifford is going to is going to be on that pitch and he's going to perform. He finished the game against Mayo. I think he's be he will be fine and Kerry will be a full strength. So you're yeah you're hoping that Dublin get everybody on the pitch because uh you know you look. You know, even you look at the subs bench the last day and you look at, you know, if this game goes into that last 10, 15 minutes and you look at the subs that Dublin were able to bring in in 16 and 19 and 13 and the, and, and, and they were able to come in and make a, a massive, massive difference. Uh, Dublin are going to have to try find a couple of heroes if they're in that position where Kerry look to have that little bit more uh, depth. You know, if Jack Barry's back, does David Moran start? You know, you have Tony Brosnan, you have Killian Spillane possibly, you know, you have uh, Paul Murphy, you've got like four or uh, five. The, the Kerry squad experience. is absurd. It's absurd. Yeah, and that, and, and that is going to be a crucial factor if this game was to go to extra time or go to down going down that stretch in the last 10 minutes so uh that's you know even even with the lads it, it, it's going to be a significant significant challenge um uh, for, for dublin i think yeah um just to go back to the Colin Callan point just w- once more Amy, i don't want to labor it i know he's not the, the be all and end all here but uh when you were managing Kerry, there was probably a few lads who would have kept you awake at night before a match michael murphy bernard brogan you know it, it, can, can a team can, can one player be that pivotal to a, to an opposition team and, and can you as a manager can, can you be too focused on like whether that guy plays or not or if he does play putting too much emphasis on his you know because that's that's the thing isn't it you tie him up and then the, the hope for uh desi farrell is that you know it, it's dean rockers kieran kilkenny or somebody else who comes in and does the damage because you're obsessed with Colin Callan. is there a danger of putting too many eggs in that basket as an opposition manager there possibly is, Mikey, but it's very unusual to get to this stage of the championship and for one one player to be so significant for, for one of the, the big guns. And it's just, look, I think we saw with Dublin during the league, the way that they were playing, Khan didn't have his best year. Last year he had, you know, he was carrying injuries. <clears throat> he never kind of got going to the levels that we know he's capable of. And Dublin had become fairly pedestrian in their attacking play even in the championship last year that continued in the league without him this year since he came back then they went in that training camp to Portugal they obviously tweaked their forward play out there they came back they were a different item altogether in the championship and he was central to that and we saw the proof again against Cork the last day that when he wasn't playing they weren't as dynamic up front they weren't as direct um 
he just has a fear factor about about him but when he's on the ball and he takes such watching he opens up spaces for the rest of them he brings the rest of them into it Costello in particular thrives when 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 Khan is there beside him so he, you know sometimes a, a forward like that can almost be cowed a bit if the main man is playing and it impacts in their game whereas Costello seems to thrive when Khan is there beside him so I think he is He's huge for Dublin and it, it is, while everyone is saying it this week, that if he's out, it definitely tilts it a bit more in Kerry's favour. I think it does. I think it does, to be to be fair. I think if he's playing, it's very 50-50, very even game altogether. But if he if he's out, it is, um, it's, it's, it's... It's advantage Kerry. Like. It's advantage Kerry. It's a huge yeah. opportunity for Kerry if he's not playing. But I imagine with the significance of the game... If he's anywhere right at all, he'll be there. Obviously, if he's a fracture or if he's something that just automatically rules him out, mm-hmm. well, that's that. But if he has, a, you know, I heard it was a dead leg, so I don't know. if Carol uh, Kane, I think, in the Irish news, I don't know where he got it, but like a, a, a hairline fracture. Uh, like, listen, lads, we're, we're, we're like the carry lads with the rumours that are yeah. being <laughs> We need it. You know what I mean? We we're hearing, that, I've heard about four or five different injuries that he's yeah. had. Yeah. His, yeah. Leg, his, leg, his leg is hanging off. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's there was no and there was no fights in training this week <laughs> down at Fisher Stadium, man. It was there. <laughs> that did I heard, Rory. That's disappointing, though. <laughs> I, have, I have an exclusive. Uh, Conor Callahan won't be playing because he's actually he's the new Dublin hurling manager. That's what he was. <laughs> Taking over from Maddie Kelly. No, that's Wheelo. Wheelo's resurrected his. Uh, um Rory, you you've been on the you've been on the Kerry um uh bus all year. You said they wouldn't lose a game and they almost have it. Um but in, in championship, uh Eamon made reference to it earlier. Um like we all talk about their dazzling forward line, um, and maybe you need to take into account the quality of the opposition they play, but so far so far they've conceded eight points, eleven points, and thirteen points. And the 13 against the Mayo team fighting for survival. Mayo team have been one of the top three teams in the country for the last 10 years. So um, this carry defence is miserly. Yeah, like you're not going to get anything easy. Um, they have obviously tightened things up. Tiger's obviously sitting a little bit deeper. It gives the, the full back line a little bit more protection. But like in the traditions of most carry defences as well, they play from the front like they'll go man to man by and large back there and they have so much pace they're unbelievably athletic Jason Foley is like you know I mean he was a fella that maybe people in Kerry and Eamon can probably tell us more were suspicious about whether or not he could solve the full back position for I think he's been arguably up there with um, with, with Chrissy McCaig in terms of being able to do, do that job um, from a Kerry perspective, like he, I'd, I'd imagine a nightmare because he's tall, he's rangy, he's very, very quick as well. So, like people talk about the pace that they have in their forwards, they've got unbelievably, they've got unbelievable pace in their defence as well. Um, and key, they'll have a few key questions. I think the big one, obviously, given like I was in there the last day for Dublin Cork, Kieran Kilkenny is still an extremely dangerous player from a Dublin perspective and is the kind of fella that will probably need an individual man marker have a carry a like for like on that sense and obviously you don't like I mean he does roam I would suggest I can't see Tyg switching his game up all that much so you will probably need to detail 
does Paul Murphy come in and do it? Is it Brian O'Biogli? You know, I think he that's a that that is definitely one problem from um from Kerry's point of view. The other issue I think is, I mean, like we mentioned before, and the lads mentioned on the night of the the, the quarterfinals weekend, is Dean Rock, and while he is imperious from dead balls, doesn't actually offer you a whole pile from uh, open play. And Kerry, you mentioned, and to go back to the point, Mikey, you talk about miserly defence. They, they, they cough up very, very few scorable frees. So if you're going to be depending on eight or nine points from Dean Rock from frees, from a, from a Dublin perspective, you know, that is another uh, problem that the Dublin management might have to look at in terms of trying to up their scores from play. Um, but I think, yeah, it's look, most of it, I mean, it, it, even the fix yourself, I know we talked, spoke at the very start of the podcast about the lack of coverage around it. You would hope that the momentum will build. I do think Sunday will be fantastic. Um, I always find it amusing, actually, that some media people will always try try accuse us and RT of having some sort of, you know, Dublin Kerry bias. Like, I mean, me having a Dublin Kerry bias, but anyway, like, but it is whether we like it or not. It's by a mile the most glamorous fixture in GAA. By a mile, it's the most glamorous, right? You know, it's going to have the biggest audience of the year in the TV sense. When is the last time that the fixture disappointed? I mean, probably back to Startled Earwig's time. You know, even Dublin in their pump over the course of the last 10, 12 years, Kerry would always have given them plenty of it. And I'm sure Eamon can attest to that. And we won't be knocking you again, Eamon, this week, all right? But like, you know, look, it's a fixture rich in tradition, unbelievable characters in both counties, you know, right up to modern times. There's always loads of narrative, subplots, intrigue, you know, injury rumour. And I think it's set up once again. And I, for one, I just can't wait for it. Yeah. It could be a humdinger. Um, we'll are looking at the matchups at the other end of the field, then um, it, it's kind of a, you know, <laughs> it's a loads and deficient situation in a way for the Dublin defence because the, the carry attack is like, if they want to play, you know, six scoring forwards, they can. Yeah. They probably won't. They'll probably throw in a couple of, uh, a couple of, uh, a workman like wing, wing forward here or there. But like, there is, there's threats everywhere and that's before you get into like their midfield kind of surging forward as well which obviously Dublin have in, in Fenton but the you know Desi Farrell will have to prioritise a couple of carry forwards and then kind of hope for the best I guess Yeah and it's probably one of the concerns a lot of Dubs would, would have coming in is whether the Dublin defence can withstand the, the power of the carry forward line and uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic Mikey because I think like Dublin Dublin will take risks they always take risks and and you know they'll they will probably look to play with six forwards and try occupy Morley if they can or or at least force maybe an Adrian Splan or someone to have to drop drop a little bit deeper if they want to free him up because um the Dublin three inside forwards are play with incredible depth and and even off their own kick out you talk you go back to I know I'm drifting on to kick outs but back to matchups but if you if you go back to Eamon and Eamon spoke about used to go after Cluxon's kick out and try crack him and had success in that in 2016 and I think went in five points up and 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 Kerry in the league this year kind of played with a bank of four 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 and tried to really press Dublin but Dublin have really changed that in that off place balls or off kickouts they have three men 
back in on the edge of their own square. The three full forwards are back in, literally sitting on the Kerry goal line. Now, what that does, that pulls back three Kerry players immediately and possibly pulls a fourth back. And it takes, you know, they don't have the opportunity to go with those banks of four. They don't have the opportunity to push up. They nearly got caught. If you, I don't know if any remembers in the league game where Dublin got over the top and there was a hand pass, oh, yeah, into, yeah, Dean, yeah. Hand pass yeah. into Dean Rock and it should have been the back of the net. So I think like Dublin will take risks. And I think at the, the other end of the field then is, you know, Johnny Cooper likes to come out and help to sweep around the breaks. And then he tries to drop off. And if Kerry win those, they can get at that, get at, get at the Dublin defense quite early. And I think that's what they'll try and do because they're excellent at kick pass and they're excellent at, at, at their interchange play in the forward line. But I think Mikey, coming back to matchups from a Dublin perspective, you know, John Small, Sean O'Shea, I think is, 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 is ultimately a given. Um, you know, who picks up David Clifford? Probably mm-hmm. Mick Fitz. You know, Davy Byrne came on the last day as a sub, but Davy Byrne is, I think, is carrying an injury and may need an operation postseason. And they're they're trying they're trying to kind of maybe patch him up and he might be at the right level. Um, you know, the Evgeny and if I think Paddy Clifford to me, you know. Paddy Mayo put Lee Keegan on him to try and curtail his influence. And I think he he really makes that forward line tick. So, you know, does Merchant, is Merchant given the job of following him? You know, Lee Gannon marked him for the league game this year and struggled on him. The, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes, Paddy Clifford was very influential. Uh, and so then who goes on Gini then? Uh, you know, who's also stays in and plays, plays inside with David Clifford. So, it's a tough one for Dublin, but I think they'll try. They'll definitely try to get the Shani O'Shea, the Clifford one, and the two Clifford ones right. And then, you know, you, it could end up with Gannon might be back on back on Ganey or they could hold Merchant back on Ganey and take the risk of Gannon following uh, uh, Clifford out the field. But it's, uh, you have to, like Dublin have to curtail the influence of that. If Kerry, if Kerry get momentum and particularly with a dry ball, hot day, if Kerry, if Kerry get their, bring their A game in the forward line, Dublin could 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 struggle defensively. Yeah, um, we could. I actually think we could probably talk about this game all day, but we we we, we won't. Um, so we'll get to that point, Damon. Um, how do you see this going? And I suppose as a supplementary question to you, how much of Dublin improved since that league match? Admittedly, played in horrific conditions below in Tralee, but how much of Dublin improved, and have they improved enough to to possibly beat Kerry? In your opinion. Uh, they've improved an awful lot, Mikey, but <clears throat> even that night at the league game, Kieran mentioned that Dean Rock chance, there was the disallowed goal, the incorrect black card, you know, and Kerry went to town when Niall Scully was off the pitch during that 10-minute period. So there was a lot of things that went against Dublin that night. Um, so I wouldn't, be re- I wouldn't be reading too much, and it's so long ago, I wouldn't be reading too much into that game. Um, but look, it's, 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 again, it's intriguing Kiran mentioned about the dubs, you know, playing with six up. And that's going to be that's going to be an issue for Kerry because all, all season long, Tyg has been able to play that role that he's played with such effect, pretty much because every team has dropped a body onto David Clifford. So it has meant that Tyg has been free and it has it has allowed him to play that role. Whereas if Kiran Kilkenny is centre forward and Tyg has marked him. Uh, well, in the past, Tyg has to go with him, and he ha- he ha- you can't leave Kieran Kilkenny free, so he has to go with him unless Kerry reshuffle at the back and try to get Tyg to sweep from somewhere else. But if Tyg is marking Kieran Kilkenny, who's gonna who's gonna mind the house then? So you know there are plenty of 
intriguing things. It, it might be a case of who's going to blink first with regard to the defensive systems at each side. And, you know, traditionally, that's why the Kerry-Dublin games have been so good that both teams have really tried to go for it. Um, Jack definitely has made Kerry defensively way more solid than we have been in a long, long time. And, uh, you know, are they going to go away from that this Sunday? So there's huge amount of um, questions, huge amount of intrigue. And uh, obviously, I'm hoping for, for a Kerry win for the first time in a long time. Are you predicting one, Eamon? Um, I'm predicting one, yeah. I'm, <clears throat> <Attaboy>, Eamon. <laughs> I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, Mikey. But, like, look, you know, I've said this. I've been saying it all year long. For, for the lads themselves, for the players, they're at, they have a good level of experience. Now, 2019 was probably slightly a bit soon for a lot of them. They would have done, you know, they could have won the All-Ireland the first, the first day. Dublin showed their experience the second day in the replay that time. And they still have that winning experience in their squad, Dublin, but the Kerry lads are three years further down the line now in terms of their physical development, their football development, the disappointments that they've had in the meantime that should sharpen their focus. So it's not a case of now or never for them, but they're in a very strong position to really go after the game. And uh, I, I, I'm hoping that they, they just have enough to do it now. I think that, you know, the change in the terms of the, the strength and depth has flipped a small bit in those three years. The dubs were still that bit ahead in 2019 in terms of the strength and depth. I think that's flipped the other way now, and that could be could be a key factor by the end, hopefully. Okay. Rory, how do you see it going? Yeah, like I'm not changing. Kerry will win the All-Ireland. Um, the, the only thing, there's only one small caveat, um, is just they are under pressure. And they are un- they are still unproven and untested in this this particular bunch in that they have necessarily failed because it's still too early. But they have, you know, they've been caught a couple of times now so far in their football careers uh, by teams that certainly on two occasions they were much better than and should have won the game. And um. I, from a Dublin perspective, I think it's a great position to be going in, even though you wouldn't know it locally. It was in a club last night and I said to this young lad, or this, this old guy who uh, works below, or he's, and um, I said, are you going to match on Sunday? Yeah, how do you see it going? Ah, Dublin will win. And I said, uh, all right, you're very confident. Have you seen Kerry? No. <laughs> okay. okay, fair enough. But I think I think if uh, from a Dublin perspective, I think it's a good position to go in. Now, look, there's pressure with Dublin too. It's a different type of pressure this weekend in that they're going in not as favourites. But look, there's always pressure. Like here, we, we will tell us better than anyone. You know, anytime you put on a Dublin jersey, there's savage pressure that goes with it. But I think there's an acute pressure on Kerry because this is the time now. They need. They really do need to beat Dublin, and I think they will. Okay, Wheeler. Well, Mikey, I tipped Kerry at the start of the year. You know, uh, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I hope there's one more sting. One more? Room. Oh, yeah, sure. Hang on, no. Like, we'll give him one more. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've been hearing you, that. For... <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, if you look at still the age profile of some of another four or five lads and where they're at, you, you, you know, you're hoping that there's... You're hoping within Dublin that there is... And, and, I, and I, I, you get that sense that 
that this a victory this weekend or another All Ireland would actually probably mean more to them maybe than some of the others. And I know that sounds very clicheism, but but an annoyance within the camp, um, and and you get a sense that you know this one would mean uh, something more to them, um, and and that might energise performance out. And you still you still know there's performance within Dublin, but when you go back and you just look at the two teams possibly on paper and the depth that Kerry have, uh, and solidity they brought to their defense uh, and 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 the top class forwards they have i i think if you know i, I fully agree with rory all the pressures on kerry um but i think uh their time has come maybe to, to deliver and i think they just they just might nick it but i hope i'm wrong hey okay so we're all going for kerry uh, so that's me making it a kerry galway final which will be a very retro 1940s Great. 1960s child to it yeah. <laughs> um a quick work on, word on the talchin cup final rory it's the uh we won't say curtain raiser because that is always seen as a derogatory term it is the first match on saturday in crow park cavan and westmead who um as big traditional football counties have been rewarded for taking the talchin cup seriously and um Cavan will go in as favourites, but there, there's a there's a good feeling under Cooney and Westmead that he's he's kind of building a, a team that you know can challenge at higher levels in the Talchin Cup. Yeah, and they were very like they were very impressive in the semi final win over Offaly. You know, people can maybe argue the toss on whether Offaly, you know, like the performance from Offaly on the day wasn't necessarily up to scratch, and more Cavan given maybe a better game by Sligo in their semi-final which might back which might give them that little bit of an edge in terms of the prep for the final but Westmead I think I know some people have mentioned the fact that like for the Talchin Cup to have some sort of meaning and sort of a sense of place and to kind of really establish itself maybe a Westmead victory is a better outcome here because when you have a situation where you come with a new competition and more or less everybody says from the start, Cavan were too good to not only even be in Division 4, they were probably too good to be in Division 3 as well. And everybody says, though, they're going to win it easily enough. And if that transpires, then I think, it, you know, like it would be a pity uh, because I think there's been so much positivity around the competition from the very start. And we've seen some really good stories, penalty shootouts as well. And... I think it has a huge potential to grow and it will grow even further. It'll get a good spotlight on Saturday, three o'clock throw in. I think Westmead have enough firepower up front. Heslin is playing well. They've got a really good, they've got, I think they can match Cavan in midfield um, where I think they probably have a little bit of a weakness is uh, you potentially have one of the best keepers in the country playing for Cavan and um uh, look, I just think they'll probably have a little bit more experience, a little bit more physical power with the likes of McKiernan. And ultimately, yeah, you would have to go with Cavan, given their tradition, the fact that they're recent Ulster champions as well. And I think they've kept everybody in, on board from the very, very start. Uh, nobody has left and gone to America like on the rest of the exodus. So... Yeah, I look. It, I'm hoping for a very good game and another very open game of football in the traditions of the Tally Cup at this stage, <laughs> but because uh, it is very Tally Ho football. But uh, yeah, I like. You'd have to kind of. You'd have to be fancy in Cavan. Yeah, it, Wheelow, on, on paper, it's it's it is hard to make the Westmead case that not not that they're a bad team. It's just that when you look at the talent on that Cavan team, like you know. Like you, you can forgive a team a bad spring or two. like it's just it's shocking that they ended up in Division Four with like the amount of talent they have, 
Um, and so it, it is hard to make a case against a team, you know, which has like a forward line with McKiernan, Martin Riley, you know, the Smiths, etc. And they're like, it's they're a serious football yeah, team. They are, they are, but there's you could argue that there is a little glitch there that you know maybe sometimes in their mindset. I, I, I thought, I thought, listen, they were the best team going into it, and you know, yes. I've watched them obviously because working on this, the, the Sunday game nights and I saw the, the game against Fermanagh where they came out of the blocks and it looked like they were going to blow them out of the water and then they kind of pulled up the handbrake a bit and left Fermanagh back into it and they done similar against Sligo, you know, and, and, and Sligo got very competitive with them and, and asked a lot of questions of them. So uh, they do have that great talent in terms of the spine of their team and the likes of Paddy Lynch and Grode McKiernan and Thomas Galligan is probably playing Great best stuff. football. He's he, yeah. he, he even played better better than he is. It looks that he's in better shape than he was two years ago. Uh, and then you have the Smiths Killian as well. Clark. But yeah. then, you know, you look at the opposite side and you say, the Westmead fairly disposed of Offaly without any much fuss. You know, they have a good man marker in David Lynch, who will probably be my pick up McKiernan. You know, Sam McCartan and Sam Duncan have been very good for them. Yeah, Ronan O'Toole has been good at centre forward. And then you have Heslin, obviously, and Larkin Dolan inside. So, like, they do have good quality players, Westmead, and they've been extremely competitive uh, all year. Um, and Cooney's done a very good job. So, you know, if just the fact that Cavan can can lose concentration and go through phases in games, I think is going to keep Westmead in this uh, and it will be a tight, tight game. But I, I still, I'd still think Cavan probably have enough quality, too much quality, particularly in their forward line. That's going to get them over the line. Yeah. Well, do you agree, Eamon? You're tipping a, a Cavan victory here. Hard's coming after Kieran. He's it all covered by the time you come in, Mikey. Uh, yeah, no, look, I I feel the exact same way I felt from the start that Kavner, the team to 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 beat in the competition. The only thing I would say about them is, as Kieran said there, they can play in fits and starts. And particularly when they get in the head in the game, it's almost like they lose a bit of concentration and they can let the other team back into it. But I was at the the semi-finals and I was very taken with Westmeath. I thought they're they're very balanced outfits. They do have the man markers at the back. Jack Smith, um, who's who's a dub playing down there, I thought he was absolutely outstanding cornerback. And you know, he could pick up one of the dangerous inside guys for for Kevin. Uh Kevin Maguire, I imagine will be on Paddy Lynch. Uh, you know, he's a very good man marker as well. Um Ray Canell in midfield is a good player. Ron O'Toole, uh, Luke Lachlan, John Heslin, Narkin Dolan, Sam McCartan is excellent. So Westmead are very balanced as well. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if Westmead won. I think this uh, Kevin probably, you know, even having the the winning experience of, um, of of a couple of years ago and winning the Ulster Championship and having that kind of a bond will stand to them. But um, you know, for for both teams, it's is it Westmead's third third game in Crow Park this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They played Kildare. Obviously, they've played uh, awfully in the semi final. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, Westmead's third game in Crow Park this year. After uh, uh, our the Cavan's third game third as well game, after yeah. the semi final and the league final against Tipperary. So it's fantastic that these teams are getting all the extra games, getting so many extra championship games, getting to play in Crow Park. Um, again, I think it's going to be a very even contest. It wouldn't shock me if Westmeath won, but at the same time, you, you you probably feel that it is Cavan's to lose. Yeah. Um, 
for the record, I think Cavill will win as well. Um, we'll leave it at that. Just to say good luck to the minors of Mayo and Galway who are playing a, a Friday night minor football final in the Hyde um, tomorrow, which is a novel. And after the hurling final, the success of packing out Nolan Park for the minor final, um, perhaps moving it away from that quote-unquote curtain raiser role on Ireland final day mightn't be a bad idea. Um, so just to mention that. And look, it's a big weekend of football. Hope everybody enjoys it, and um, hope everybody is looking forward to a Kerry Galway final at the at the end of it. Um, we like all times. Yeah, obviously you can watch these games on RTE two, and you can listen to them on RTE Radio one, or you can follow them online at the RTE website and the RTE News app. So thank you to Wheelo, thank you to Eamon, thank you to Rory, and we will be back on Monday. Thanks very much. See you then. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He 